seekers, explorers and rule breakers out there. Welcome to another episode of the Alchemy Experience podcast. I'm your host, Christopher Lemke, and today we are exploring the concept of anger. How can we work with anger and not let it take over our expressions and how we show up in life? We all have different uh, opinions and perspectives on anger and this uh, discussion will uh, showcase some of these angles for you and certainly will hopefully bring you some nuggets of wisdom that you can bring forth and some points of view that uh, you may not have thought about. So enjoy this uh, exercise in brain gymnastics. So let's get started. Welcome everybody to today's discussion and presentation. Today we're talking about anger, not really the uh, level of uh, vibration that we hope to have on these discussions, but uh, we are dis- deconstructing anger and hopefully uh, helping people to work with their anger and understand how it uh, works with them and perhaps see how we can get less angry. So that's the vibration we want. Now. Many of you will know Jane Austen, the author of Pride and Prejudice. She writes, angry people are not always wise. And I think that is quite quintessential for the the situation we find ourselves in when we get angry. We get quite stupid. We do not uh, act in the best interest of ourselves or others when we find ourselves in a situation where we're angry. So if we look at the concept of anger and how psychologists view it, there are there's kind of two camps. As one camp saying that anger is an emotion and the other camp, which I fully subscribe to, is that anger is... Um, a reaction or uh, an expression of negative uh, uh, feelings like fear. So for me, anger is no more an emotion than laughter. Uh, anger is a reaction and an expression of negative feelings, same as laughter is the reaction expression of joy and connection. Now, if we understand anger in those terms, then we also know how we can deal with it. So can we control anger? Uh, no, it's not the anger itself we can control, nor can we control the feelings that pre- uh, uh, precipitate anger. It's the thought that triggers the emotion that triggers anger that we can control because we can control our feelings, our thoughts. Oh, sorry, our thoughts, our words, and our actions, not our feelings. So, anger management, which was quite popular uh, as a you know, psychotherapeutic uh, tool or function uh, in the 90s and uh, noughties is to me an illusion because you can't manage anger. Anger is something that happens because you're not prepared for it. Anger is something that, an, an expression that comes out quite involuntarily if you don't know how to deal with it. And you don't know how, you can't deal with the anger itself you have to practice working with your thoughts and how you perceive situations. Anger in itself is only useful when we find ourselves threatened. So if, if we are in fear of you know, immediate 
death, as it were, then anger will help us to build up that extra uh, reserve of uh, force to get ourselves out of a situation, whether you know that's fight, flight, or freeze. So it's it is a an expression of the chemical release in your body of cortisol and adrenaline. So it's it comes down to more of thought management. That's what we have to learn to do in order to manage our anger. So uh, there was a study by um, some professors at Texas A&M in America, and they found that suppression or overexpression of anger leads to significantly leads to diminished health. And eventually, if you let anger rule without any control whatsoever, it sometimes leads to rage. And then we're in real, real trouble, right? So just <clears throat> starting out with anger, it, as we said, or as I described, and I'm happy for anyone to disagree with me, but it starts with the uh, triggers. And the triggers of stress that will then, the stress in itself has its foundation in fears. So if we're triggered uh, and uh, it triggers our stress, it, that stress happens because we're fearful of something. You know, are we fearful of losing our earning capability? Are we fearful of death? Are we fearful of uh, anything else? And it's that fear that then builds up the stress. And when the stress gets to a point where it cannot be contained in the body anymore, it explodes as anger. So it's basically piling on. So yeah, go ahead, uh, Glenn. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right in, in kind of pulling onto that thread where it also seems to go just a level deeper where if we're not maintaining self-care, we're not um, processing that energy. I think that's the part that um, our society is really messy with is how to process anger um, for ourselves and other people and setting boundaries around it. And there's so much shame uh, for both men and women uh, around anger in the different areas that it just is a an uneven playing field that makes it a very difficult path to navigate. And so if you're you're already high strung and you're not processing or doing self-care, you're not allowing that energy to flow through, it makes you tight like a, like a snare drum. And so then anything that comes along really makes you rattle. And uh, it just seems like it's a combination of things. And for men, we we just really are terrible at self-care and, and learning how to let things out and, and exercise sometimes even a physical way that anger or frustration or, or um, discouragement, I think is, is another form of anger that, that we come from. And, and lastly, I think that it's also how you believe. Um, if you believe the universe or world is against you, it's a relentless uh, trudgery through life. And, but if you realize and recognize that the universe is out there and is on your side, and you learn to be on your side, I think it's um, it's a totally different experience. Thank you, Graham. That's uh, quite, yeah, wonderful. 
absolutely wonderful. And uh, it is, and I, I can, I can uh, start by sharing a, um, uh, from my own experience, um, you know, I went through life until I was about 44 years old and kind of sleepwalking like many anybody else. Uh, and, uh, you know, living within the parameters of the old rules as it were, you know, and um, I suffered from sciatica for a good 15 years. And it was like, if I was in the car for 20 minutes, I really had to, you know, stand outside the, the car when I arrived at the destination and just kind of soften up my uh, uh, back and my hip. Um, and it was, you know, I couldn't walk very far because and the doctors all said, oh, you have tight muscles around the uh, sciatic nerve. And um, what you should do is uh, probably start exercising. So build up more muscle. Uh, yeah, that wasn't very logical to me. But what happened was when, um, so in 2016, when I really established a uh, solid meditation practice, took me about two weeks, then my sciatica was gone. Poof, totally gone, 15 uh, years later. So what I did in my meditation was to realize some of these, uh, this anger that had built up over the time and it wasn't that I was an angry, angry person. It was just that I didn't know how to deal with it. So it stored up as, as well, energy stored up in my body. And the only place it can store up in terms of physical physicality is in the muscles. So your muscles, as you say, Glenn, tighten up. And it actually then becomes a problem. Absolutely. Go ahead, uh, Brenda, and then uh, we have uh, Sarah after that. So I was going to say um, to both of your points about self-care, really um, finding finding ways to take care of ourselves and for yourself, Christopher. You know, getting into meditation as as a way of of self-care. Um, the other thing I was going to say around self-care is boundaries and. Mm -hmm. I think that's a really important part around self-care and being able to to know what you're okay with and what you're not okay with uh, when it comes to to anger. I think if you have good strong boundaries around what's okay for you and what's not okay for you, then it might be less likely that you get have those those anger triggers that come up um, because you have those boundaries in place. Yeah. And uh, that took another three years or something to uh, establish those boundaries for myself, um, at which point my anger did dissipate even more. So the, the expression of uh, these negative, or basically my negative feelings dissipated because my thought patterns were more positive and I was able to basically say that anybody who's uh, outside of these boundaries and are trying to cross these boundaries, I don't need to engage with that. So it's having a different thought pattern in terms uh, related to those um, triggers, if you like. Uh, go ahead, Sarah. Hi, all. Hi. Hello. Um, from Thailand. Well, welcome. So I'm, I'm ready for bed. <laughs> so, um, 
Um, I've got, uh, there's a couple of observations from my side. So in 2006, I started traveling and um, I came with a very Western attitude and went traveling eastwards through Mongolia and over to Japan and China. And my first piece of advice given to me by seasoned travelers was don't lose your temper. Don't get angry in Asia because they will think you're mad because you completely lack control. And um, that's, not how, that's not how Asians or the, the, the Easterns behave. They, they like to take control of everything and take control of their emotions. Um, all that said, that made perfect sense. So I used to be quite angry in England because I thought I was being assertive. <laughs> Um, and I wasn't actually, I was just being a, a bit of an a-hole if I, if I don't, I don't know if I oh, can, you can, you can it's a podcast, so go right ahead. All right, asshole then. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, all that aside, for, I've been meditating for, I'd say three years badly, and I'm now starting to really get far more proficient at it. And I've recently come to learn that boundaries, um, setting boundaries around my values are really important because that's a massive trigger for me. Um, but I'm new to setting boundaries. Um, I'm quite clear on what my values are. And when they are interrupted, I don't react well. Um, and I've done some recent sort of self-development and looking at myself and obviously, and um, my anger can go to rage quite quickly and for no apparent reason. So for the smallest things, I mean, bearing in mind I'm, well, I'm heading towards 53, so we can throw the hormones and the menopause bit in there. So that might have something to do with it. Um, but to be perfectly honest, I've been like it probably since I was a teenager. Mm -hmm. And I'm, what I would love to know is, is I have no idea what's causing it because I, it doesn't serve me. Um, I can feel my anxiety. When I was 10, 20 years ago, it would sit in my stomach, then it turned to my solar plexus, and now it's sitting here, and it's almost like I can feel it moving up my body. Um, so I'm becoming, because I'm more aware of how I'm reacting and behaving and what's going on internally, um, I want to address it. And I'm happy to go through the pain and the, the nasty shit that's buried in there. But I, I honestly do not have a clue what it is. Yeah, it's, yeah, no, it's, you know, age old story, isn't it? Um, and I, I think there, we all, we all end up with a similar kind of background. And it's, you know, anger doesn't happen. It's not something we're born with. You know, uh, a baby doesn't know how to get angry. A uh, baby just knows how to express, I'm hungry, I need to, you know, take a poop, you know, I need to sleep, you know, I'm dirty, clean me. It expresses its emotions in a very immature way. Um, then as we get older, we continue to exp express ourselves in a way that we feel most appropriate. Now, we do express ourselves in, when we look at our present moment or our future 
uh, the, our perception of our future, we tend to do that through the lens of our past experiences. And when we get triggered, uh, that's, as I explained before, that is then the stress response is based on fear. And that fear is based on uh, your past experiences because you're looking at the challenge you're faced with through the experience or through the lens of your past experiences. So what I did personally is uh, I went back and I started looking at these experiences and some of you have heard me talk about these things before, but looking at the experiences through the lens of compassion, acceptance, forgiveness, and gratitude. And once I did that, then the triggers weren't there anymore because there was not, nothing to trigger me because the fear was gone. I knew that you know, the, the whole idea of status or position in society or any of these notional fears that one might have or losing my, my livelihood, uh, any of these, they were just notions. They were illusions. They weren't something that I actually had to be uh, afraid of, as it were. So the once I kind of realized that and took that away, then the triggers weren't, weren't there anymore. And that's not to say I don't get triggered still, because I still have shit to work on. But you know, the 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 times I get angry now uh, in one in one month, uh, I can count on a couple of fingers. Uh, and it's and it's also the ability to take a step back. Once you, like I tell my children, you know, they always break it when they get pissed off with each other. You know, I have two girls, one is a teenager and the other one is 10. So there is no day that we don't have a huge fights <laughs> between the two of them and there is always the argument you make me so angry uh, and it pisses them off but you know i always tell them that nobody makes you angry you yourself make yourself angry you're the one who's causing your own anger because you decide to get angry and like how do you mean that's not possible well it is because you decide to have the thoughts that causes you to feel that fear to then cause you to get angry. If you just sit back and show no response to the anger being thrown at you, you're not energizing it. The other person is then eventually going to run out of steam and having expressed their anger is going to come down and there's nothing left. Does that make sense, sir? Uh, it does make sense. Um, I don't necessarily get angry with people all the time. It can be with situations. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah. And I also, I haven't got a fucking clue what is pissing me off and triggering me. Well, and that's sometimes, you know, Barbie, for example, she's a wonderful um, energy clearer. And um, so sometimes it helps to work with energy and work with yeah. that kind of stuff or work with the psychotherapist to just to do that regression and go back and understand 
I often work with my clients in my coaching workshops where I tell them, you know, take every trigger as a wonderful opportunity to learn something about yourself. And every time you get triggered, just kind of step away from the situation and see, see it from an analytical point of view and say, okay, well, what are the fears I am, that is the, the basis for this stress trigger? What is the fear that is uh, underlying to it? So you, you got the trigger of the stress and the stress then de develops to anger. But before you get to anger, you have that stress response. And there is that feeling or the, um, the fear that underlies, uh, is underlying to it. It might be fear of having to experience something uncomfortable or whatever it may be. If it's just uh, an experience or um, an experience that you're triggering, getting triggered by. And then look at those fears and say, when did I experience that fear the first time? And do that in meditation perhaps. And perhaps the first time might be that you spilled uh, a glass of juice and your parents scolded you for it. It might be something tiny like that. But once you understand that, once you understand the fear and where it comes from, where it started, that will then make you make a kind of an open line of communication for you to understand where it comes from and uh, how to resolve it. So I'm going to see uh, Glenn, Barbie, and Diana want to chime in here. Perhaps they have some uh, some good advice for you as well, Sarah. Glenn, go ahead. Certainly. I think for me, one of the things that really changed my experience with anger was realizing um, in a moment of harsh reality that the, no one's coming to rescue me. And it was the best news I ever heard at the worst moment. I want, I didn't want to hear it. I, I couldn't stand it. I was so mad and resentful. And I think one really sneaky form of anger is resentment. And I've been exploring that lately. And finding areas that I, if I get triggered with any sort of resentment, I'm using it as a trigger to recognize that it's because I'm having messy boundaries. My boundaries aren't clear. That my resentment isn't anyone else's problem, but mine. But in order to be able to see that, I really have to practice on a daily basis, recognizing that I'm on my side and I'm an advocate for myself and setting boundaries is a real way to flex that muscle and, and exercise it. And being a safe place to heal um, was primary in coming around to those conclusions. And, um, you know, for me, I think resentment is, it's sneaky. And like Christopher was saying, it is a, it can be utilized as a trigger to navigate into an opportunity to find something out and, and dig things up. Um, I was listening to a podcast where they were discussing how anger is their path to forgiveness. And so I think, you know, as well, that there's areas we can go back to and, and forgive. And if we're judging what we're forgiving, if we're judging, it shouldn't be that bad. I shouldn't be this mad about it. I should, should, whatever. Then I think that's um, an area where we need to be extremely gentle and just accept it and, and lean into it. Yeah, beautifully put again, Glenn. Um, I think the being kind to ourselves and allowing ourselves to only do our best are some very important lessons to have there. I'm going to go to Barbie, then Diana, then 
Sukuna and then Carol. Go ahead, Barbie. First off, I just want to say, Glenn, it's beautiful how you also take in compliments. So I just saw how you really put your hand over your heart and you really took the words that Christopher said to you. So I just really want to honor you for being able to take those words into because it is important that we take those words in for other people. And those who know me know that one of my biggest uh, things to be on this planet is I love to be the cheerleader for other people. So the more that, you know, we can comment and and compliment and say amazing things that we see to be the truth, the better the planet is. So that was that was awesome. Um, I agree with all the things you guys are talking about. And I think ultimately when we're talking about um, boundaries and anger in regards to people that we have in our personal lives or else even family, um, obviously family is a little bit more tricky than people who are like your friends and in your personal circle. But I know that I, have encountered a situation that is not new in, in work. And with work, it's, it's a different specific um, kind of a topic. And um, I saw in the last month, pretty much a, what I would consider a setup coming down the pike. And I even articulated to the people that be that I saw a setup coming. And despite that, they're still doing everything that is exactly what I told them that we're, they were going to do. Um, down literally to as if they were like working off of a playbook and they were just reading a script so I was like okay so um you know I could get legal involved I could get all these details involved but I just thought okay in the past um we also have to get into what the emotion is so what I realized is that okay if I look at the emotions of what it makes me feel like when someone comes after me for things that you know I mean I'm, I'm doing excellent work and it's ultimately that I'm not mediocre that I'm being come after <laughs> so it's like why can't you be boring and banal like the rest of the people and be status quo you're making us look bad so stop being excellent it's really ruining our vibes so it's like okay i'm sorry so from that perspective it's like i realized i needed to go back to the emotion so the emotion was feeling disempowered feeling rejected ostracized and also battle ready where i feel like i have to get out my sword and start kicking ass and ultimately, so I really sat with that in my meditation this morning, knowing we we're going to have a podcast about anger. And I thought, you know, this is the first time I think that I want to really allow things to just play out. Because if I literally clear and transmute those four emotions within myself, then will they actually have anything to connect to me on? Will they really be able to get my goat? Will they be able to press the button that they've always been able to press of where, oh no, you can't do this and it's illegal and it's against the contract and it's blah, 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 blah. Like I can go all those places and I have friends in high places that can help me out and attorneys at my beck and call, et cetera. But it's like, I don't want to go into any of that crap. So instead this morning, I really, really want to stay in the focus and the sense of where, like what Christopher said, we're responsible for our thoughts, our words and our actions. But my feelings are my feelings. And ultimately, this is in the past where I have felt disempowered and I have felt rejected and ostracized and battle ready. But what would it take for me at this moment to just step away from that and state, okay, the anger is there. And one thing also that's important to, to point out too, for people, especially spiritual people, and I know Christopher and I are going to be addressing this in the future, is the idea of spiritual bypass. But a lot of times it's your niceness that you think is the thing that's going to ingratiate you to people and make you, you know, palatable of like, oh, yeah, you just screwed me over. Oh, okay. No, it's fine. No, it's okay. No, no, it's, it's good. It's good. And then you go do compulsive, addictive, shitty behaviors and sabotage yourself because of the fact that you are now, now you know, hurting yourself based on what other people do. So that's the part too, where 
your being nice all the time doesn't serve other people because not only do you need to have your boundaries in personal and in work like professional situations, people also need to know it's like the art of war. The art of war is not about going out and fighting people. The art of war is for people to know that you are you know, a viable opponent and please don't mess with me or else if you need me to, I'm going to finish it, right? That's basically the, the concept of that. So just stepping back into, okay, these are the emotions. This is the situation. I can't wish it away, but by the same token, what would it take for me to manage my own emotions and see whether or not things play out in a different fashion than they did before? No, and the, the fact is that you can't control your emotions. The, that makes it all the more important to control the, the thought process. And if you have those energies of fear, like fear of abandonment, fear of uh, ostrac um, being ostracized, they, they do come from somewhere. And that, that needs to be, once you heal that, then the, the fear is no longer there. So there's nothing to get triggered. And then there's no reason for the anger to be expressed. So the, the anger is, is a, just a, becomes a, a higher or more, more explosive uh, expression of stress. Right, Barry? I agree, but like I said, I think the distinction is between when something is in a personal situation or family versus professional and people are coming at you with like, you know, legalese and facts and all that other kind of stuff. It's like, how do you rectify that? Because again, I'm, I'm choosing at this moment to allow my anger based on my recognition of previous woundings to dissipate that energy and hoping that that will be a new way of dealing with this because then by just taking all the steam out of it. I'm not getting emotional. I'm not mm -hmm. getting angry. I'm not giving anything that they're asking for. And in addition to that, I've now decided I'm not even going to be speaking to my superiors. They can contact me via representation or send me an yeah. email. I don't, I'm not going to be taking, you know, random informal calls any longer. That will be my boundary that I'll be setting up. And what you've done there is that you've exercised your, your choices. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what we can do. Because we have three choices in every situation. We can choose to change our perception of it. We can choose to stay or we can choose to leave, right? Mm -hmm. So if you choose to stay, what will it take to, for you to be able to stay? What is it that you need to do? Because as far as I'm concerned, and we can bring this into uh, this discussion as well. As far as I'm concerned, there is the people that say that sometimes it's necessary to get angry i totally disagree with that i don't think there is any situation where you need to get angry there are situations where you need to reaffirm your boundaries and uh, express those boundaries to others and say this is not okay i don't agree with this but as i as i tell my children getting angry is a choice you know, getting angry is choosing to express your fear in that way. So it's having the knowing what your choices are is one of the fundamentals in order to not express our uh, express our fear in a form of anger. 
Well, what you're saying is totally accurate because ultimately you also go back to what would be considered name calling. It's like, I, I hate it when I see people who supposedly love each other and they call each other like every name in the book, but then they're supposed to go back and, you know, sleep in the same bed and be lovey-dovey and nice to each other. You can't take those things back. So I think it's also, you're making the distinction between anger and assertiveness. You can be assertive within your boundaries and be mm -hmm. forceful with mm -hmm. them, but cool. being an asshole mm -hmm. or being rude or calling somebody names just because you reflexively feel like this is going to make you feel better. I don't ever do name calling. I, I don't ever do that. I don't think that it's anything because you can't take that back no matter how much you want. And the whole sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's actually totally false because those words oftentimes are as resonant as Absolutely. somebody having hit you in the head. So that, that really, I appreciate you bringing that up because it's really, really important that we also within that space do not revert to nastiness and name calling because that is something that you cannot take back and you have to take the high road and be assertive, not angry. Exactly. Sukhan, go ahead. Um, yeah, I think enough ground has been covered already, but I have a quick <laughs> point to make from what Glenn was saying, which really clicked with me that I think it really depends on how anger is channelized. Um, because what I feel from my own experience is that if I'm not allowing my anger to be expressed, or I'm just like, oh, let it go. Like, don't give too much, to, you know, think to that thought, like, let it go. That, that can lead to resentment, most definitely. Um, so I'm just a bit like sort of, you know, I mean, the different, obviously, like a different um, perspective going on here, but I think it really depends on how we allow ourselves to channelize that anger. Um, if we feel it, we must express it, but not destructively in a more constructive mm -hmm. manner. Yeah. Absolutely. Totally agree with that. Um, but we also have a responsibility, I think, that when we do feel the need to express anger, that we delve into the reasons why we got there in the first place so that we observe ourselves and this is you know very much the idea of power of now uh, Eckhart Tolle's book mm. that we are the observers are, of our own existence that we are able to take a step back within ourselves and observe our thoughts that produces the emotions that produces the expression and always go back to, okay, why did I have that thought? And why did that thought trigger that emotion? And how do I react to that emotion? So when we show up into a stressful situation, that our go-to expression isn't always anger. Our go-to expression mm -hmm. is to know where our boundaries are, because if we don't know where our boundaries are, our go-to situation is going to be anger because it's the only way we know how to defend ourselves or to protect ourselves. The anger becomes our boundary. And yeah, and I think giving yeah. ourselves permission to set boundaries is such a big thing. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt there, but you're, you're so right, just knowing that we can, that we do have that ability that really takes us knowing that we're enough to set boundaries, that we're not so easily bullied by the fear of rejection or bullied by people's drama which again for me was was really sneaking its way into resentment which was lots of anger and it was like building up like sarah was talking about and um i think it's just very important to set those boundaries as a as a means to show self-love that we're on our own side and i i I think through my own experience with meditation that just going through 
and realizing what anger, storing anger has done to me in terms of, and, uh, you know, I've expressed my anger uh, time and time again, but still it leaves a remnant in the body. So if you maintain that and you keep that within yourself, it, it needs to come out, but it doesn't need to be expressed through any violent means as well, whether that being uh, physical or verbal. Um, so from that point of view, I think I, I don't see any reasons to have that expression of anger in, in our being. I don't, just because you don't express it that way doesn't mean you're, you're suppressing it. You can, uh, as Sukun mentioned, says, you can express it constructively. So we're going to go to Diana, then Carol, and then Susan. Hi, everyone. Um, I wanted, first of all, Christopher, in your opening remarks before you opened it up for conversation, you summarized a lot of what my learnings about anger have gone through, and I wanted to comment on several of them Thank and you. build on what others have said along the way, particularly Glenn. Um, it was actually through, I didn't even know about boundaries until I started studying anger. And I realized my boundary violations, as you said, were totally related to, to anger reactions. And so I use, whenever I start feeling that surge of heat, um, I say, okay, what is the boundary I neglected to set or share with anyone? <laughs> because that's my been part of my learning is studying to learn what my boundaries are and then with a velvet glove, sharing them with people. The other thing I've learned thanks to my pets is that if you allow your boundary to be violated without putting in the correction, that boundary doesn't exist anymore. And so I've had to learn to be not so kind about this just one time with humans or pets that it, it, I really have to be consistent so that the boundary can be held. Mm -hmm. and, and I'm going to tie that into self-responsibility, which you mentioned, Christopher, also. You notice all of my comments are about me. It wasn't the other people willfully violating my boundaries or trying to trespass. It was me being unconscious and unable to share what I needed to be at my best. And the final piece of this is because then as you start getting that awareness is you start beating yourself up for not having been born knowing that stuff. Forgiveness, there's a piece of forgiveness directed at what you thought the other person was doing. And it, it's all in your head, keep in mind, as, as, as uh, several people have said. But it's also forgiveness for yourself. Because ultimately, in my thoughts, all forgiveness is self-forgiveness. And um, But you have to do the piece of work where you also forgive the other person for whatever you thought was going on. Um, I'm going to say one last thing, and then I'll be quiet and let others speak. <laughs> the, the latest thing that I have noticed about anger is thank goodness it doesn't come up very often for me thanks to all the work I've been doing in that area because much like Sarah I used to be angry a lot um, is that anger will come up in a way where I feel almost entitled 
And that entitlement is relative to frustration when inanimate objects are not behaving the way I intend them to behave. And in looking at that, that is actually not necessarily me. It is a habit that I picked up from parents. And so I'm doing a lot of work of clearing out the stuff that's them, not me, so that I can choose how to handle my frustration in a more Zen way. Because I always notice when I'm frustrated, if I slow down, breathe slower, come at it much more gently, man, does it work better. So that's it. I just wanted to share all my thoughts, linking it together, because this has been quite a process for me. And it's perfect that you're having this discussion today, because anger was on my mind a lot yesterday when I noticed, wow, I haven't been really angry at anyone in a long time. Beautiful, Diana. Thank you for sharing that. And uh, yeah, there's a lot of wisdom in what you say. Um, all the words coming out of your mouth are very wise, Diana. So I appreciate that. Um, and yeah, there is the habitual aspect as well. And, you know, if you spill a cup of uh, juice on the floor or you drop a glass of juice on the floor and there's glass shattering all over the place, your first reaction is F-U-C-K. You know, it's like you, you go into this stress and then you go into this anger. But what is the fear behind it? The fear is, could be that, oh, am I going to have a parent yelling and screaming at me now? No, I'm 49 years old, so there's no parent around to scream and yell at me. Okay, I don't have to worry about that. Okay, am I, do I have, uh, yeah, now I'm going to have to spend time cleaning this up and I really don't have the time. Is that a fear? You know, there's always a fear underlying to it when you react that way. So, and as uh, Diana points out, if it is something that is programmed into us, we've seen our parents do it growing up, then we think that's how we need to uh, act and react, right? So that's another angle to work at it. Thank you for that, Diana, I appreciate that. Um, so we had, uh, uh, let's see, uh, Carol and Susan, did you want to start with Carol? Hey, thank you very much. It was only like two minutes before I need to departure. So um, just the, it's going to be very quick. Uh, thank you very much for all of the contributions, especially Diana and Glenn. I love every word that you said and it's very, very helpful. And um, just kind of very personal reflection. And um, what I noticed, like when I was getting a lot of, lot of anger in my life um, before I started meditating practice um, I knew that getting more angry it actually created more anger in my life I was just like attracting it and now I, I actually it, it happened for the first time in the very long time that I got really upset today and really angry and rather than getting angry for the fact that I got angry or being judgmental, I tried to use that um, Buddhism, uh, Buddhist uh, philosophy and just what I, what I try to say is, okay, um, what, this is my emotion, it belongs to me, 
it um i got angry about something very 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 minute that it wouldn't normally have any impact on me so what's going on it's i try to use the anger as the key or window to my own soul because it was the communication it was the message that it's perhaps something that is lurking above me that i'm not aware of and i need to attend that and so i'm actually grateful that this situation happened because you know it lasted for 12 seconds i got angry okay that's it doesn't sound like me but i'm really grateful that it happened because i know that it won't lead to something that, that is more dangerous or destructive in the future so i'm actually trying to have a cup of tea with my demons and face them and you know it's it's great that you're here it's, you belong to me mm-hmm. so um yeah, that's it thank you wonderful thank you for that carol and it is one of those things that to find yourself grateful for the triggers that show up in your life uh, because you learn from them it is a perfect opportunity for you to learn something about yourself and to reflect on the path that you've come from um, because they're they're all breadcrumbs leading us back to the source of the trigger or the fear that has uh, been with us through our life and being able to understand that and showing gratitude to it is definitely uh, one of those uh, situations where when we have arrived kind of thing or we are starting to work on the challenges right and certainly if, if there are things that show up in life that triggers you the first thing I try to do, like Carol says, is to show gratitude to it, but also to understand that if a little element of that which triggers me didn't exist within me, there wouldn't be any anything to trigger me. So it's absolutely right. Yeah. So it's if it if it triggers me, that means I have an element of it within myself. Go ahead, Glenn. One of the reminders I have uh, for myself is I carry this safety deposit key that I found in an antique store. And it reminds me that we carry the key to the answers we need with us all the time. And you're absolutely right when it comes to these situations is if you're recognizing it. um, One thing I used to kind of use as a way to shame myself around anger to try and work my way out of it which didn't work was to say, you're only as big as the smallest thing that angers you. It is true, but it's no reason to feel shame. Um, it's just a way to just alert yourself of something to, to clean up and, and to navigate and process. Very nicely put. Yeah, uh, it's so true that, and it goes back to the idea that crisis if you see a trigger as a crisis, uh, we, we kind of sink down to the lowest level of preparedness. So if we have not prepared ourselves for that trigger or that stress, then we are going to uh, react in a way that is going to be spontaneous. It has no uh, thought behind it, has no mindfulness behind it. 
we are going to show up in an explosive manner because we haven't prepared ourselves for it. So Susan, did you want to say something? You had your hand up before. Hi, everyone. Uh, I actually wanted to say something before, but I feel like everybody touched up on it. Uh, and for me, it was more about growing up in an abusive home right. and where anger was present, <clears throat> excuse me, every single day. And a lot of it was to put fear in us on achieving or even going to school or grades, anything that uh, came up, it came with anger. If we didn't do it a certain way, we knew that fear was there, that was instilled in us. So everything we did was based on the fear of how our parents were gonna react. Uh, leaving that home at 18 and then, you know, shortly after having my own family, there was a lot of unconditioning that I had to do and a huge roller coaster of emotions. Uh, a lot of it would be, you know, questioning, okay, where did this come from? How did that just come about? And then explaining to my kids as well that, no, you know, yes, I was angry, uh, but I know that was something that I had, I had learned from my family. And that's something that I left and I don't want to put, you know, instill that into my kids. So as I was teaching myself and the self-care to learn that that was not okay, I had to also teach my kids that, yes, we're not perfect all the time. Yes, we can let those emotions. And a lot of times it's because it's not our true self. You know, where were we? How were we feeling that day to let that anger come in? And a lot of times if we're not in the greatest mood or our, uh, you know, there's other smaller things that have bothered us, we will get angry a lot quicker where if we were in a good mood and, you know, meditated, everything was uh, going well that day, then whatever that was coming at us, we would take it as a, you know, more of a, a different approach than, you know, just fly off the handle because we were already, our cup was already full with other things that we were not letting go and holding on, right? Uh, so for me, that was the biggest thing was that if uh, and when that would come up, we would sit our kids down and say, you know what, we know that was wrong, you know, and, and I, I'm sorry if I did you know, portray that anger, but this is one of the things we're learning to uncondition from our family, you know, from where I grew up. Uh, so for us, as we got older, as our, we learned with our kids, you know, uh, as parents, I, I find that we don't think, okay, you know what, we know everything that, so as our kids got older, we got older with them, we learned a lot how to, uh, you know, how to be parents. Because And then I had a lot of anger and uh, resentment towards my family because they didn't teach me how to properly raise my kids. So there was a lot of, you know, that unforgiveness. So I had to go back and do a lot of forgiving to my father and say, okay, where did he learn what he did? You know, and, and then, you know, how was he raised? Because if I didn't look at that, I just always looked at him and, and had anger towards him. But then I wasn't serving myself in any way because I was holding on to that anger. And until I could let that go, you know, I, I couldn't move forward. Mm -hmm. So for me, I had to go back. I had to forgive my father and my mom for, you know, not being able to raise me the way I wanted to raise my kids uh, and, and return do a lot of work on myself and, and my husband, you know, we're both on the same page. 
but how we raised our kids, you know, now than when we first started off, obviously it's night and day, and they know that too. They saw how we evolved. Uh, and that was the greatest thing for us. Now we have an amazing relationship with our kids. Uh, the youngest one is 18, you know, and the oldest one is 20, going to 22. So they see the difference in us now, how we are, you know, meditating. Self-care is so important that they're going down that path too at that age, which is so important. That's the role models I didn't have at the age that they're at now. So I feel very blessed to have the information and having the Mind Valley community to get us to, to that level so that they can see that, hey, you know what? There is a better life out there. Kids don't do what you say, they do what you do, right? Exactly, exactly. And yeah. the only thing that we can do, and this is where I feel that anger has no place in any situation is that our resp individual responsibility is to show up as role models to everybody else around us, to the collective consciousness, to our children, to our bosses, to our the people we work with, and whether they accept what we show up with, that might trigger them because that may make may make them feel bad or feel shameful or guilty um, for the way they're behaving subconsciously. Um, they, they might not be consciously aware of it, but it, it, it gives them that feeling and thusly it triggers them. It, it makes them, it's that fear of uh, inferiority, fear of, uh, you know, not doing the right thing and so forth. Um, so yeah, showing up as the best person that we can be and showing up as the, uh, the uh, role model is the best thing that we can do. If we show up yelling and screaming and asserting our power or our boundaries in a in a aggressive manner, then others are going to do exactly the same thing. But if we don't do that, then eventually it will deflate. As long as we're asserting our boundaries, it will deflate any anger towards us. And I've seen that in my home, very much like you were saying, Susan, you know, we, as parents, well, I can only speak for myself because I'm separated now, but as a parent, I, there was a lot of screaming and yelling until, you know, six years or five years ago. And after that, it's kind of dissipated slowly but surely. Today, I don't yell at my children. You know, I assert my authority as a parent based on, okay, this is how I've done it. You know, if you do it that way, there is a big risk that you're going to cut yourself with that knife. So why don't you do it this way? You know, it's it's not and even my youngest child, even to this day, if she spills a cup of juice or a cup of milk or water or whatever, you know, I I, I see this like terror in her face that I'm going to get angry. I'm like, that's no, okay, honey. You made a mistake. It's all right. Mm -hmm. Just clean it up. You know, go and get the the uh, kitchen towel it's fine but still there is that uh, moment of <gasps> fear in her that i'm going to lose uh, fly off the handle right and it's it's like a knife in my heart every time but it's you know something at least if i'm showing up as the best i can be right now then that will allow her to uh, 
eventually uh, recondition away from that. So and she'll be taking up that memory for the next time, right? Exactly. You know, and then we instill those memories of those situations exactly, without even exactly. knowing that we're doing it for future situations, yeah. right? And it is pushing that forward to future generations. Because if my children see how I raise them, they're going to show up the same way for their children. Yes. And they're not going to have that uh, instilled fear that is going to trigger them with their children. Um, and I suppose the biggest challenge I have right now is the, uh, you know, challenged, if my children challenge my authority in certain aspects, then is chaos going to ensue? So it's that fear of chaos or fear of losing my position as the parent or the father. Um, that's definitely one that I need to work on. But I, I feel that's that's the one last piece, <laughs> at least in the parental pu puzzle. I'm sure they're going to come up with other things to trigger me with, but, you know. I, ju I just wanted to say for us with our kids, their biggest fear was they were going to get a lecture. Because yeah. we would, instead of yelling and screaming, we would sit them down and we would explain and, and we would talk an hour, two hours. And then they'd be like, okay, is this over? Is this over? I get it. But now that they're in their adulthood, they know what we were teaching them, yeah. you know, from every, whatever boundaries they were trying to break, whatever it was, they see, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. Everything you guys were telling us, it makes sense now. So when you get to that level, it makes it all worth the hour lecture that we had for whatever the boundaries they broke because they do pick that information up later on and they come back and say i can't believe it there's so many aha moments all day long that mm. because they're out in the real world now they're practicing what we were instilling in them and to me that is so rewarding all on its own well no definitely and uh if i had a penny for every time time i heard them say Oh, is this going to be one of these spiritual speak the talks? Mm -hmm. I would be a, a very rich man. I'd be sipping pina coladas on a Caribbean beach somewhere. Um, it will be so worth it down the road. Absolutely. It, it really is. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Thank you very much, Susan. I appreciate it. Sherry, uh, I'm going to go to you and then to Glenn. And mute me there. Uh, I have come to the point looking at my situation that a lot of my health issues are definitely repressed anger. Uh, I haven't, I'm not very good with boundaries and uh, my family can just really walk over me a lot. And uh, one person said, well, you know, there, there's never any consequences. And I, I haven't been able to find a space where the where there's enough of a consequence to, uh, get them to to pay attention to it and and possibly help out more or you know it's like uh sometimes i have to take a deep breath because i really would like to just reach out and smack on one <laughs> and and they're all oh you know my, my baby i've got a pair of 33 34 year old twins who still live at home and uh i doubt if they will ever leave they have no desire to go out into the world. And um, I used to think I was responsible for that, but uh, I look at it, they have an awful lot of their father's temperament and he's not a very 
assertive person, but I, it's like, um, sometimes I feel like they push me to the point of anger that they get a great deal of satisfaction out of my losing it. Uh, at one point, he, uh, he came in and he's confessing infidelity and I'm just taking deep breaths and I'm standing there and I'm listening to him and I just kept breathing deep feeling as long as I can breathe I'm, I'm under control and he just wasn't going to be happy until I lost it which eventually I did um, but I, I'm, I'm like I say at a loss as to where to get the boundaries set up so that people don't step all over it because when they do step all over it, my choice is to um, get angry and react or not react. And there's gotta be a space in the middle somewhere. I know there does, but right. I'm just at a loss as to where it's at. Yeah, no, I mean, that's super tricky. And I think one of the things that occurs when people are pushing the boundaries or pushing the buttons as it were to get you angry if that's not your normal state of being it's because they feel if you're reacting that means you care right so, yeah so that sometimes could be the um the way for them to feel that to to get that recognition that you can you you recognize them uh, in that uh, their presence, if you like. Now, establishing boundaries is going to be some work to do if you've never done that before, because uh, as we've discussed before, you know, once you establish boundaries and you do that, you know, at a later part in life or stage in life, people are going to start reacting around you. They're going to be like, "What the hell?" What's going on here? Yeah. You, haven't, you haven't done this before. Why are you reacting like this? What do you mean? No, no, no. What, what's happening? <laughs> so it's, it is a work that is ongoing and that's something that you do gradual, I think. Um, and just to, you know, it's like Keith Parasi says in his book, Leading Without Authority. It's if you, once you establish those, boundaries and you know it's not about limits it's more as to the point of what can i and what can't i accept and that can change over time and change from situation to situation as long as you're okay with the boundaries that you set for every occasion then you should be at peace with yourself but it's you have to recontract with the people around you and the people you interact with so that they know that you're showing up authentically with your boundaries. Does that make sense, Sherry? Yeah. Um, like I said, I, I, I tend to, to vacillate between being very calm and screaming. And um, I don't do near as much screaming as I used to because it just, it, it just makes me worse. Mm -hmm. um, but I wanted to address something that Barbie said about name calling. And I agree that name calling is always something that we should be in control of. And I don't do that. On the other hand, 
I, I think it's important for us to uh, take the sting out of that as people do stupid stuff, you know, call us stupid things that I'll, don't give those words any power. I mean, uh, I just absolutely, uh, my son came in one day, he was, he'd been fighting. He said that some guy said I was fat. I said, I am fat. Don't, 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 don't come in here fighting because somebody said something because what somebody says is not worth fighting over that, you know, just leave them. I, I'll, I was bullied as, as a youngster. And I just, I took on this defense of when you started in, I would just look at you like, are you stupid or what? and absolutely not accept delivery of that. I think it's important that we protect ourselves by not accepting delivery of uh, really uh, allowing somebody else's opinion. I mean, if somebody says something, well, you need to take a look at yourself. Is, it, is that important enough that uh, I need to change it? Well, then change it. Otherwise, let them sit in their own garbage um, it's, um, I, I try really hard to stand quietly in my own power. And I have been accused of not being uh, sufficiently outraged at some things. And I'm going, you know, I just do what I can to make things right. Uh, being outraged, just, it leaks your energy away. If you, if you allow yourself to be totally bent out of shape over a situation, the energy that you could spend fixing it is gone because you've wasted on outrage. And, uh, you know, I see things that I don't like and I try to stand up and I give them the mom look. I got a really good mom look. I can <laughs> stop men dead in their tracks going, uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, not, not letting other people's words uh, dig in because I, I am a fan of sticks and stones can break my bones but words won't hurt me because people who uh, people who have who have to do that have their own issues and one thing I have spent my life doing is realizing that everybody's got their own issues and um, I, I just I'm working hard now on removing myself from the spaces where their issues are really detrimental to me. But uh, in the meantime, it's taken a real toll on my health. And I'm just so glad to be here. Thank you very much. And I'll shut up now. <laughs> Thank you, Sherry. It's like a beautiful poetry words. Thank you very much. Um, and I think the, the, the sticks and stones comment from Barbie is more about what we put out into the world that we have to mind our P's and Q's that we make sure that we show up authentically and pure and the best versions of ourselves um, but absolutely right again from you Sherry that you know make the the, uh, the four agreements with the everyday you know don't assume that you know everybody's stories. Don't take anything personally. Use your words impeccably and always do your best. 
then everything else, you know, if people yell and scream at you, call your names, what have you, you don't need to take that personally. If you do, if you, uh, as you say, Cherry, if you take delivery of that, then you're going to have to own the fact that you did. You have to take responsibility for that because then you have allowed that word to uh, violate your boundaries and come into your energy, energy field. So wonderful. Thank you, Sherry. Uh, Glenn? Yeah. Wow. So much ground has been covered, Christopher, as usual, just such a good group of, um, of people. And I want to touch base real quick on what uh, Susan mentioned about conditioning. I think coming from a home of trauma means that your level of what is normal can be um, can be really unsettling for a lot of people and can be very not normal. And so deconditioning, that's a lot of work. That's some heavy lifting that Susan and her family did. And I commend you for that. That's amazing. And I also want to touch on with it, both Christopher and Susan talked about and touched on is anger needs a way for recovery. And that's something that we need to do for ourselves and other people is paint a path that says, okay, you know, I understand that anger happens and, and it isn't always coming from our best selves, but how do we recover from that? And that takes grace, that takes an ability to be grounded in yourself and to be okay. And like Sherry mentioned, not taking it on and taking it personal. And, you know, just seeing that, that you, it raises up in us because sometimes we don't know how to deal with our own dang feelings. And so I, again, I just appreciate the heck out of this. And um, Sherry, I just really appreciate everyone's bold vulnerability. Um, I think this is the good conversations that we need in order to heal. So thank you. Thank you, Glenn. Uh, and the, I think, you know, the inability that we have to deal with our own emotions, that's another fear that oftentimes is a trigger is, oh no, here comes an emotion. I'm going to have to deal with this shit. Oh no, it's going to hurt. Oh no. Right? And that then becomes a trigger where you get angry. So you replace the, or you, you kind of mask this emotion. If it's an uh, unknown emotion for you, it's even worse, but you mask it with this anger that you know is there. And it, it's like putting Band-Aid on a, a leg that has been cut off. You know, it's trying to get the perpetrator away from you with your anger and then you're hoping that they're you're gonna have overpowered them with your anger so that they they are belittled and shrunken so that they won't come back at you and then hopefully then you then you won't have to deal with the emotion because the emotion yeah, you know you're exactly right and i used to box and and there's some guys who get in the ring and they they have to get angry and and again, it's fear and it's not a, the ability to understand our own emotions that, listen, if the other person's in the ring, they're agreeing to what's about to go down. Like everyone's in on the, on the situation and there's no, there's no need for anger. It's just, it's an athletic event and, and this is what we're deciding to do. But some people didn't know how to navigate that. And so the way to, to try and ramp themselves up was to get angry. And I think um, Sarah really put uh, an interesting spin on it, which was, anger equals assertiveness and 
how many people have we hurt utilizing anger in that way? Um, you know, it, it, again, forgiveness and grace has to be uh, liberal here for ourselves and others. And I think you're really good at bringing that uh, forward. Thanks. Thank you, Glenn. Go ahead, Barbie. I don't know. These conversations always trigger weird memories from the past. What, the band-aid so, on the uh, amputated leg? <laughs> oh, yeah, that was pretty, that's pretty hilarious. I'm just imagining, you know, like, oh, this isn't working. Um, and unfortunately, in the hospital, it's always like, you know, I'm a bleeder. So it's like, we've got a bleeder. So for me, that was even more apropos. But I remember in the 80s, you know, back in the days of punk rock and stuff like that, it was just funny what you guys, Glenn, what you're talking about with that. I used to go into the slam pit all the time, but my friends would always come at me and be like, are you ready? Are you ready to go in? Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? And I would just like, you know, the music would be, you just get, get, and you would get this amplified like adrenaline rush in your body. And then when I would go in, I would like just go ham. Like, and people would literally wait until I was ready to go in. And I remember there was this skinhead guy who had like a bald head and like suspenders and stuff. And he was like really famous for being this like hard ass. And I conked him on the head and he dropped to the ground and he had to be taken out on a stretcher. No one ever messed with me in high school ever again. It was like, literally I left this building and like the C party, they're like, oh my God. And the guy's name was Meat. That was his like nickname. They're like, oh my God, she just like took out Meat. And I'm like, yeah, what? And I just walked out, but I'm such a passive person or I'm not violent at all, but it was still, it was like, I think sometimes there's also positive places like rock concerts and other places where you channel this amazing energy and you have this kinetic electricity, but it doesn't have to be put into a negative space. It's like everybody's there for that same reason to get that adrenaline out. And you can like literally take all the anger and you can process it in a beautiful way. So that just reminded me of that really random story, but it was still, like I said, nobody ever messed with me in high school for the rest of the years. And I didn't even do that on purpose. Did you go to school in prison or something? <laughs> no, that was the O Club in California for a, it was a military base. Oh, okay. Well, the same, 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 but different. <laughs> well, thank you for that story, Barbie. That's uh, awesome. Thank you. Um, <laughs> no, and I, uh, relating to just that collective energy for the ones that are old old enough to remember the uh, uh, Live Aid concerts across the globe in the 1980s. You know, growing up in Sweden, I was uh, sitting up up watching uh, Band-Aid, I think it was like 16 hours or something. Um, even though I couldn't be at Wembley Stadium or I think the other one was in Philadelphia or something, but you could feel the energy of the people. It was such a the collective energy of those events were just amazing. And that's, if we can all do the preparation that we need to, to deal with the challenges that we, we come up against, we feed that into the collective energy, right? So that becomes our contribution. And then if we can only get one more person by us showing up as the, the uh, the best version of ourselves showing up as the role model if we can get one person to look at us and say oh that looks nice i want some of that how do i do that and for them to show up the same way and feeding that into the collective consciousness that's enough because then someone else would look at them or another two people will look at them you know so it people always 
not always, but oftentimes when I talk to my friends about these different concepts and, you know, compassion and forgiveness and what have you, they're like, oh, it's utopian. I'm like, yeah, and what's your point? Oh, it's never going to happen. It's like, well, if, if I don't show up like it, then yes, it's never going to happen. But if I show up, then darn well, it's going to happen. Because then others will do, have, make that same decision as well. So um, I thought I would finish with, give you one thought. And this comes from uh, uh, thinking of, um, I think it was Henry VIII in Britain. He planted the new forest down on the South coast here in England. And the, it was a military strategic move for him to plant that forest. Because he knew that in a hundred years, those trees were all going to be big enough to big, uh, build the biggest fleet the world had ever seen. And this is in the 16th century. And we know what happened uh, with the British Empire, right? So the idea is, or the, 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 the saying goes, when's the best time to plant a tree? Last year, right? So the, the best way for us to show up not angry is to have spent all this time preparing for that moment that someone's going to show up and, and push our triggers and push our buttons and try test our resilience against showing up as angry. So with that, I'm going to thank everybody for showing up today, always with beautiful energy and with your intelligence and your just amazingness, if that's even a word. Now it is anyway. So thanks a lot, everybody. And uh, see you next time. Yeah. So basically, when you have a feeling or an emotion like show up in your body, you allow it to exist, you acknowledge it, you don't push it down, you don't ignore it, you don't wipe it, uh, swat it away, as it were. Anger is uh, no different in that respect, but learning how to observe your own experiences from the perspective of your awareness will certainly help in uh, identifying and seeing when you're triggered and understand why you're triggered so that you can work on it. The idea that you know the preparation will help you out in the moment. A lot of the work we do in our coaching workshops is to prepare our clients for the various situations that may come up in life and to show up authentically and be able to exert boundaries in a compassionate way and just be able to flow through life that way. So um, if you feel that you would like to explore these topics further in our coaching workshops, please go to our website thealchemyexperience.co.uk and uh, at the bottom right on your screen you'll have a button that says schedule your 30 minute free consultation with us. Just click on that and book a session to see if uh, we might be the right place for you to uh, explore these topics. So for now, I leave you with uh, the thoughts and the ponderings that you get from this podcast on anger and see how that might work out for you in your life. Until next time, take care.